0: Welcome to Classic Comics Cavalcade. I'm Jason Sachs. I'm Amir Malikpour. And today we are discussing Eight Ball number eight uh, from uh, 1992. I almost stopped myself like I started to say 2000. I can't believe this is a 30 year old comic.
1: Oh my God. That's crazy.
0: It is. But it's a great freaking comic book. Wow.
1: It's literally, well, I don't know if it's almost exactly 30 years old may of 1992
0: which means he could have been putting the finishing touches on this comic literally 30 years ago today wow i think we kind of randomly chose this issue right or did you pick it for a reason
1: so (laughs) i bought two of these issues. i saw them online and i just bought them as a rescue mission i have other copies of these and they just came in the mail, and we were talking about hey, we should talk about maybe hate or eight ball. And I'm like, and I just suggested, hey, Jason, can we do number four or eight? And you pick the right one. I love this issue so much.
0: Tell me why you loved it so much.
1: First of all, it's got like multiple stories. So you don't, I don't know, for some reason, maybe I have short attention span. Or what is it? <laughs> I love the fact that it's like an anthology. I love, I mean, I just love 8-Ball. I love the fact that it's an anthology done by one person. I love the fact, I love the coloring. Like, this is an independent comic book whose coloring is 10 times better than any, like, mainstream comic book you can get. I think it's super funny. I think a lot of the stuff you can't do today, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the stuff to say, I mean, what he says in there. And I also like the fact that, like, it has um you know like a velvet glove cast in iron and it's not my favorite story of his it's a bit creepy but for some reason reading it in in small doses is is actually better for me
0: like a velvet glove might still be my favorite thing ever by close yeah because it's so creepy and strange and like the surrealism of it gets me every time it's it's so well executed. The yeah. power of his storytelling is so fascinating to me. And it contrasts so perfectly with the other half of the stories in the book.
1: Yeah, and I think,
0: Like a Velvet Glove is like 12, 14 pages. And then he's got like another seven stories. They're all like two or three pages each.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, we can talk about that one. I also wanted to say like, I really like the uh, the letters column here is perfect. It's amazing.
0: We yeah, should- right. there's friends are trash talking to trash talking him basically?
1: Yeah. Don Simpson.
0: Yeah. It's yeah, it's like there's a couple of things in there are creepy, a couple of them are funny. He's got the the drawings in the middle of it. It really feels like a zine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but
1: like let's should we get started on like a velvet glove? It's the first thing that starts it off. Yeah. Such lush coloring though. I just love the coloring. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That first panel with the with the coloring on that the guy who looks like he's ordinary, but there's something creepy about closed mm-hmm. line work.
1: Yeah. You know what's so funny? Like the other thing is it reminds me of manga graphic novels or collections, or like in the beginning or in some parts you get a little bit of color, but the whole thing is not color. Yeah. Um, yeah, they I do mean, that in 2000
0: AD also.
1: Yeah, the other thing is, oh yeah, that's right. Um, I think there's also a uh, Charles Burns uh, mimicking mimicry in one of the stories here. That would be cool to talk about. Um,
0: so what I love about Velvet Glove is it's like this endless nightmare that continues on and on, mm-hmm. and we see it all through the eyes of the, I believe he's an unnamed narrator. Um, and, and it all just kind of grows and grows as this complete like grotesque vision. Mm-hmm. But like close draws this in like a beautiful way, like the final panel on page three where the narrator's like sh- in shadow that you like you're saying a minute ago that looked like a Charles Burns mm-hmm. panel with a deep blacks and you know, the, the oh, yeah. charoscuro. And then you uh-huh. flip the page and it's got this beautiful storytelling sequence. Mm-hmm. And then you flip it again and it's got, or you go to the next page and it's got this really like depressing sex scene in it. And it all just kind of feels like this complete nightmare. The just one grotesque thing after the next. It's so yeah. Lynchian.
1: So I wanna say for both Lynch and Klaus, like I, I'm gonna like upset a lot of people like Lynch is not one of my favorite directors. What? Uh, so I've seen most Alec Poor. I like I respect him. I just want to say it's I respect him. I understand. well, I don't know if I understand, but I get it. And you know, I you know, I've seen, you know, I've seen his most famous ones and I've sat through them and it's definitely good. It's good it's just not one of my, f- I mean, I've sat through them and I've, it's not like something that I'd leave, you know, I watch it. Mm-hmm. The thing about Velvet Glove or Klaus, and both of them, both, not Klaus, Klaus is different, but for this particular Klaus story and for Lynch movies, the only way I could really enjoy is if I think of it as a satire. As a and, and when I start to think about satire and laughter, I feel bad about myself and that's why I can't like these stories oh wow I'm joking you know but like for example you think about like I mean maybe we need to have a different podcast for like a velvet glove and I'm happy to read it if it's your favorite um I'm happy to reread it
0: I did a long piece on it back in the comics bulletin days Mm. three or four thousand words on it about the the formal nature of it, the way the images recur, the the, uh, strangeness of the sequences, um, the way there's a narrator at the beginning, but no narrator um, beyond the first couple of chapters, um, the way he displays beauty and ugliness in it, Mm -hmm. and the way all the characters are basically interfacing with media in one way or another. Mm -hmm. Movies are a big part of this and it all starts with him wandering into the strangest porno theater ever. And it completely upsets his world. He, again, being this unnamed narrator. And I think there's so much going on in this story that um, you have to really kind of look at in a deeper way. And I think uh, like most of it really is psychological as opposed to like plot-based. And that's why it feels very Lynchian to me.
1: I mean, like, here's where it's funny and it's like not funny like funny like a pulp fiction like dark humor i don't know it's just so weird like you know when when they have sex and then he goes like he still has his his pants off Mm -hmm. and he goes i don't know it's just and then you see like these old guys in the theater like one of them has his hands down his pants you know it's like it almost seems like i feel like because of the way klaus Maybe because of the way I've seen, you know, Klaus does his comics where it's a lot of it is making fun of people, kind of. I feel like he's just making fun of everything here and I can't take it seriously. And that's the only way I can get through all this horrific creepiness.
0: Yeah, see, I think I don't think he's making fun of things in like a velvet glove. I think like a velvet glove is him working out some personal issues. I mean, he said before. Actually, he told me before when I went saw him at uh, was it Stumptown, one of the comic shows in Portland. That uh, maybe it was line work, um, but regardless, he was he said, you know, this is him dealing with his with getting divorced at you know mm. a relatively early age.
1: Mm.
0: And my interpretation has always been completely different, which is what happens when you see something that so profoundly upsets you; it completely changes your your view of the world. So everything that looks familiar becomes grotesque mm. and distorted. And this is really just his mind trying to make sense of the trauma that he's, he has witnessed.
1: I mean, the, the guy who does the first murder, he's, they don't even give him the decency to let him have his pants on. They kill him and yeah. just in the shallow grave. I mean, I'm laughing, but it's horrific
0: well it it is laughable right you got the bare-chested man on page two and they're looking up at the narrator and the narrator wanders over and then you got the the um strange dead dog creature
1: which you wouldn't even
0: know reading this chapter and he gets pissed on and you know it's like
1: yeah he gets pissed on and like and then there's a soldier like having sex with a lady who's like bored and he's sweating and doing his best and Uh, And then Dan Klaus is going through that. (laughs) Yeah, it is Dan Klaus.
0: Yeah, I think think it is.
1: It looks like, I think it's basically Mm -hmm. him. Yeah, it's amazing.
0: Yeah, and and he's watching the movie screen, making eye contact with a character on the movie screen who's about to get murdered because Barbara Ellen is a murder ballad. I mean, there's so much like right directly below the surface. There's something in the way they go from straight panels to hand-drawn panel borders too. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to talk about it in more detail with you because, like, I I like I appreciate and know that like other works by M.R. just better from a technical standpoint. You know, Patience or Ice Ice Haven, which I think is incredible. Mm-hmm. I think Ice Haven Ice Haven just like a a a uh, formalistic masterpiece.
1: Yeah, I think Ice Haven is known to be his, like, magnum opus. But this is everyone's favorite. Not mine, but everyone else's favorite.
0: I legitimately just love this story. And I can't even say why, because it upsets me so deeply.
1: Yeah. I think maybe it's just I'm a little bit emotional. But I'd love to read it. I mean, I I have, just to be transparent, I have multiple copies of this. <laughs> I have the first printing. I have, like, you know, because it's like, don't know I just love this guy's art I love Klaus's stuff
0: and then we get the letters page which just like completely changes your mindset
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and then we get more into the snark in the second half
1: well I was gonna say like a couple of things with Don Simpson his his him making fun of uh Dan Klaus you know yeah it's like uh I think it's just it's so funny reading he's out Dear Dan, you make me sick. <laughs> Klaus, you got your comic eight ball, should be hate ball, and all you do is piss on fanboys and art students, which you yourself once were. Can you think of something more positive to do with your energy and make your work less ugly? And Jesus fucking Christ, what the fuck is going on with the <laughs> <laughs> It's amazing, you know? and then he did, he does these other ones too, like about his proportions and how do you, don't you know how to draw people and and then the other one did you see did you read Link Yakko? Yeah, do you know that guy? He he used to be a writer, I guess. Yeah,
0: he was he was local here.
1: Oh, cool! And he um he pointed out that they put uh, Dan Pussy in in the cover of uh, uh, Meta Cops Three. Hmm crazy and i i spotted that cover it's like yeah he's on there he's on that cover it's crazy Anyway.
0: yeah and so it's like his friends are ripping on then we get to this ugly girl story yeah. which is like him doing this robert crumb pastiche knockoff. yeah and oh, also he- like actually makes like this really kind of clever point about like how we objectify beauty and why do we objectify beauty and you know, uh, like how screwed up we are for the way we approach this homogenized view of who's beautiful in our world.
1: And then the guy ends up being a hypocrite, kind of like-
0: Yeah. Oh, you know. <laughs> yeah. At the end, he's taking the- pill. Well, the last, the, like he's got this the scene where he, uh, the panel where he pulls the girl's teeth apart like she's a horse. Mm. Oh God, right? It's like, oh, what, yeah. the, what the fuck is this? And then like, no, it works
1: you know I, I before the ugly girls i really like the fact that he drew his own com- his own ads in the comic too
0: oh yeah right i
1: mean there's like a right after that there's an ad for it for books too it's pretty crazy
0: uh-huh yeah and the face he puts for the character looks completely yeah. insane yeah but yeah ugly
1: girls is pretty fun. it's really funny the ugly girls one it's all like too much makeup indicates self-hatred. Excessive attention paid to appearance shows insecurity and vanity. Fashionable clothes, she's a follower, dull and unfrugal. And then his friends are, looks okay to me.
0: <laughs> right, he's got these panel, these like almost arrows next to these characters and the ugly girls are, you know, casual appearance indicates inner peace. Brainy, literate, appears to be mature. And at the end, yeah, he's with this busty woman in this perfect dress and stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I love the hypocrisy. It just cracks me up.
1: It's awesome. It's really funny. The other one is really funny, too. The, is it Grist for the Mill?
0: Yeah, he does it in a slightly different style.
1: Oh, God, this guy is so good. He's so funny. I love the comic book guy he's making fun of. He's all like, irritating comic fans this writer doesn't know the difference between a cyborg and an android (laughs) right i love it
0: you gotta be kidding you're about the least interesting moron i've ever met Hi, i'm bill a stupid gullible scum sucking shithead with zits oh thank you i love your cartoon oh yeah
1: that's right the only way you can make fun of him is drag cartoon that's awesome
0: and And then he just continues it with the the comic collectors club kkk
1: yeah oh wow i didn't even realize that yeah which
0: is like you know a total parody of like where comics were in 1992
1: well it's so funny i think it's like that to a certain extent now too in the beginnings like in a dan pussy is like you know i'm gonna you should buy these comics that they make millions of and I can. you can make a lot of money off of and at the end of the strip his friends are like so anyways how are you gonna make money off he's like the what yeah (laughs) he's like if you want to invest in comics shouldn't just be investing in the stock market isn't it actually easier to make money there
0: that's actually something i think about all the time why why do i bother investing in comics at all it's the I'll, I'll just buy some ETFs. I don't need to buy comics.
1: Well, the fact of the matter is, comics are cheaper, and we know we, you and I know it's not an investment. Yeah. It's really true. an enjoyment and the love of it.
0: I think my favorite story in here is Nature Boy, the little three pager, which again, he draws in a completely different style.
1: Oh, this is the one that I was thinking Nature Boy. I think this is like Charles Burns esque.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because it's got all this grotesquerie with nature, it's drawn in this thicker line style.
1: Is like that squirrel. Is that squirrel giving off? Anyways, I think people aren't looking at this. You should. You should get a copy of this. Everybody who's listening.
0: I can't he figure out what the squirrel is milk- doing. Yeah, He's milking itself, or what he picks up there in the ground from the ground from the squirrel. It's oh. just a deeply fucking upsetting story.
1: Oh man, this is disgusting. I don't know what it is. The
0: tree with the mouth sticking out from
1: it. -hmm. I think this is Charles Burns. He's making fun of Charles Burns, or he's trying to emulate Charles Burns.
0: And, you know, again, like this story, every story scene kind of ends with this like punchline. Mm -hmm. You know, he he comes home, this normal looking kid, and his, his parents are just these disgusting, fat, creatures and there's this weird thing about going to the airport and being at the airport in five minutes to come home like i don't get it but it it makes sense in context i know well that's
1: funny too right
0: yeah totally and then we get these uh, we get the the first of the two beautiful color pieces
1: oh yeah so funny this is funny too about money Give mm-hmm. me have billion dollars what good does it do to you sure you could use your wealth to get girls to f you but you'll never be able to respect them or yourself as long as you're rich you'll never know if anyone really likes you
0: <laughs> i know he's so deeply like mentally screwed up right yeah our our civilization is built upon an arbitrarily contrived value system which effectively encourages our basic human instincts, as such as round t- ra- wrong-headed and produce nothing of true value. Why bother?
1: I give it up. <laughs>
0: this is a deeply depressed man.
1: Of course, uh, the closer is him. It's called my suicide.
0: <laughs> Again, with beautiful coloring. It doesn't say you did the coloring, um, does it? What's that? It doesn't credit the coloring, does it?
1: well he colors it
0: close colored it
1: yeah he colors everything yeah okay yeah actually if you get his artist edition he has like uh he has the process of like oh process. nice okay yeah. yeah
0: but yeah yeah my suicide basically again it's like i could commit suicide but it's pointless anyway no one's gonna care I have this great glorification in my mind of what what people would say, but no one's going to care.
1: But it's just, it's so funny. Like I I actually laughed out loud. (laughs) Uh, Like he's giving these situations as to when you want to kill yourself. So there's a kid, he's got a report tomorrow. There's a Uh guy who got an STD and he doesn't want to tell his doctor. There's a guy who got drafted to go to war. And then the funniest one, which is like, the trope, but like he's um there's a guy who's going to prison, and mm-hmm. and the prisoners are like licking their chops, and one of them is grabbing his cross. He's like, oh,
0: the guy's face is just so pathetic. Who's going to prison? Close draws ugly people better than almost anyone. Mm-hmm.
1: And then him for him, he's like, well, you could also run away, and then it's like him in an Arab country, like. Or like a Middle Eastern country. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then he talks about his, his biggest, deepest, darkest fantasies and stuff. It's like crazy.
0: Uh-huh. Going crazy and shooting people on the streets and stuff. I mean, everyone has that thing cross their mind every once in a while, right? Yeah, like you're jumping. Trapped off, in traffic, or you're just sitting across from some smelly guy on the train or something.
1: Yeah. Crazy stuff. And then at the end, he's all like. No, don't kill yourself, and say no to drugs. <laughs> it's like a perfect punchline, sarcastic punchline. That's right. It's like, yeah, actually, he wants you to kill yourself and do drugs, <laughs> not in that order. Not.
0: This comic is so good.
1: It's the greatest. It's the best comic. This is why class is my favorite creator. Yeah. Right now, at this moment.
0: That's a good choice.
1: Oh. And by the way, like when we talked about the coloring, like he does the coloring, the inking, the lettering, the everything, but just printing it.
0: When the eight ball came out, it was such a level up compared to Lloyd Llewellyn. And you really see it kind of in action in this in this comic. And I think at that point, he was doing eight ball bi monthly too. So he's just churning this stuff out.
1: Oh, yeah. I think mean, it shows his progress. Like, it's amazing. Guys, I wish he put out more work, but you know, I know he wants to relax a little bit.
0: We got to talk about him some more. I love that man's work too. Yeah. Thanks for Ooh. talking about it with, with me, Amir.
1: Thank you, Jason. Any
0: chance to talk to Ann Klaus makes me so happy.
1: Me too. Especially his funny stuff.
0: Yeah, right. Before he before he got into the deeper graphic novels, which are still great, but like this early stuff has got this energy to it. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, thank you.